This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Welcome to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast, helping take your leadership to the next level. And joining me is perhaps the longest standing Buffalo Sabres <laughs> fan. The mo- well, maybe, the most, yeah. <laughs> maybe the most committed Buffalo Sabres fan. <laughs> and you um, have to be to be a Buffalo Sabres yeah, fan. Yeah, and there, there, there's only one. Yeah. You know, and you, and you occupy Either you're hot seat. or you're cold. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, and I've got a frozen mouth too, so hopefully that's not too distracting. Have yeah, I'll, I'll say off the bat, Richard has not been drinking, so if he slurs yeah, any words it's, here, it's, it's a total result of a dental and you, procedure. And you know, I today, <laughs> I, I knew I had this podcast recording this afternoon and they, they froze my, you know, jaw, whatever. And, and then they got working on it. And this guy, this dentist is usually pretty good. Like I don't feel a lot of pain with him, but I was feeling some pain. It was the drill yeah. got going Ooh. and I could feel it tickling that nerve. And he's like, he could tell, you know, he said like your toes look like they're tied in knots. <laughs> I'm squirming. And I said, well, I could feel it. And he's like, well, we can give you more pain medicine. But I'm thinking like, I'll be just slobbering all over myself uh, during the podcast later. Like, you know, that so. is there. We need to develop some, uh, some awards here on the uh, leadership <laughs> podcast for commitment. Oh, and dedication. so I just said, how much longer I, I can grit my teeth for, you know, a few more r- rounds of the drill, but if it's going to be for a while, let's, let's bring on the pain med. So, so yeah. I did. And, um, here you are. I, here I am. I, I still, uh, still feeling it. Yeah. Well, we're, we're glad you uh, made the effort and suffered, mm. uh, suffered through that dental procedure. Well, to I'm be trying, here. I, and I, I can honestly say being, spending time with you is better than being under the drill with the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am uh, so grateful to hear that. And it just warms my, I hope you're touched by I am touched. Deeply touched. Yeah. I'm going to put that on my mirror. Uh, so I see it every morning when I, when I get up and say, Richard prefers me to the dental drill. Yeah, I didn't say how much I more. Yeah, well, okay. you, but it doesn't, it's, I don't need to know. Be a close, hey, it's yeah. a win's a win, you know, Richard, by, by a minute, by a, well, you're talking a, a Sabre fan. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know all about the near, mm. near wins or barely wins. Uh, well, today we, uh, you know, we, we talk about leadership here, uh, despite our ramblings here, but, uh, <clears throat> As we've said recently, and, and, and you know, we've always said this, but you know, leadership ultimately boils down to people, and uh, you're you're leading people, not not an organization per se, or you're not just doing your task. That's maybe what managers do and what you know uh, workers do. But when you move into leadership, it's it really comes down to people, and that that's what matters. That's what will set your leadership apart from from others. And part of that, I think, is. Uh, surrounding yourself with people of uh, diverse backgrounds, diverse thought, um, and making your circle of, of influencers um, push you some and, and not just be a bunch of people who say yes to you. And we've, we've highlighted the dangers of being surrounded by a bunch of sycophants. Um, but uh, we want to look at the model of Jesus today and how he sort of designed, if you will, his leadership team uh, through the disciples. Yeah, and I, I think the point we really want to make today is that our leadership and even our character can be influenced so much by the people that we uh, engage with. And so, you know, if you, if you are uh, constantly surrounding yourself with wise people, 
uh, you're gonna you're gonna have some of that wisdom rub off on you. Uh, and if you if you're around courageous people, people who stand up for what's right, you're probably gonna do some of that as well. So if if you're gonna gain hopefully good things from the people you're around, then obviously uh, the the wider variety of people you're around, if you can be pulling what's good from them, you're gonna have uh, more input into your character, into your leadership. But I think we've seen, certainly in recent days, that we have a, a lot of tribes out there, a lot mm-hmm. of people that all c- congregate together because they see things exactly the same way. And they all sort of chant the same party line and everybody says amen and claps and everybody feels like they're a genius because no one disagrees with them. And then, uh, but there's huge blind spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the, they're pretty soft in some areas because they've never been challenged to have to uh, sharpen themselves in that area. And so, uh, so I, I think that one of the things I think leaders just have to do is to be constantly trying to find ways to diversify the people that they're around. And that doesn't mean that your best friend is a polar opposite of you, but but you do need to have people in your life who, who aren't just like you that yeah. really stretch you and uh, you you know may upset you sometimes because but but they make you think and so uh, and there's two ways that typically as a leader you're going to have people like that in your life some is going to be because you're you inherit them it's uh, you go to work and they work there too so yeah you maybe you became you made the leader of an organization and now your direct reports uh, have some people in them that really rub you the wrong way, and you've got to decide what am I going to do about that. Uh, another thing that's good about having people different than you is that you have to learn how to lead different kinds of people, and you, you can't just lead one way and get the same results from everybody. And so, one of the ways is just you inherit them, and and if if that's the case, I know some leaders who basically say, well, if you're not like me and seeing things the way I do, then you can, here's the door. You yeah. know, we'll just, we'll clean you out. Uh, and yet I would encourage leaders to say, if that person's not just trying to oppose you, if they're not rebellious, uh, they're just different, uh, then maybe see the, their existence in your orbit of life as uh, an opportunity for you uh, to learn how to lead a different kind of person and maybe learn from that person. But then secondly, you can always choose uh, to get people in your world. You can hire them. Uh, you can choose to spend time with them as friends. Uh, you could just meet with them periodically and just spend time with, with people asking them questions. And, and of course, that's a great way where you just intentionally say, you know, I don't, I, I don't know if any of my friends are, um, you know, Democrat or Republican or the Buffalo Sabres fan or, or you know. That's because uh, there's only two, you and yeah, your Yeah, and so, and, you know, they and, and to say, so I, I would like just to have at least someone uh, in my world that is kind of leans that way and sees things that way Yeah, because they'll help me. So, um, but I thought that we might just begin by looking at Jesus. That's never a bad place to, to look as a leader. But of course, what he does is very interesting because uh, he comes to earth and he is essentially trying to start the largest movement in world history, the largest organization, the kingdom of God, uh, Christianity that uh, has over, I think, like three billion or more followers uh, mm-hmm. and uh, churches all around the world and so on. 
uh, and he's going to start a movement, and, and Jesus is only going to be on the earth for three, three and a half years. So in three and a half years, he's got to establish uh, a group of people that he can lead. And even w- when the Roman Empire tries to squelch it and, and uh, persecute it and, and uh, pressure it out of existence, how can you, in three and a half years, come up with an organization that the Emperor Nero can't destroy hmm. uh, when he's running things? So, and so, you know, the question would be, so then if you, and then if your father, the boss... Uh, said, okay, you can pick 12 men, 12 people, uh, and pour yourself into those 12 in particular and build this movement on those 12 people. Uh, And just to kind of make it interesting, have one of those people, a traitor that will backstab you and and sell you out at at one point. So you you really only have 11 people that, that will be around. So so what kind of people would you pick if, if you're yeah. told, go out there and, and look at this crowd of people? And, and then, then maybe your father says, and Jesus, I want you to go out to the backwater, to the hicks, to the sticks of Galilee, not, not into the urban center, not into the biggest city, not where all the powerful uh, uh, business people, politi- great political people, and not the religious scholars, like they're all down in Jerusalem. You go up into the hinterland and pick from those people. Uh, and so incredibly challenging. And so, of course, so when you look at the disciples, a lot of people have analyzed the disciples of Jesus. And, of course, he has 12. And there's actually, if you, when people have studied this, um, there's, there are three sets of four disciples. You can break, you can break the disciples into thirds, uh, and there's three groups of four. And of course, between the various gospels, a couple of the disciples go by different names, um, like you know, like a Bartholomew or someone, or Thaddeus, or there's some that uh, will will be called Judas or other or uh, not Judas Iscariot, but the other Judas. Um, and so there's 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 two Jameses, and and so some of the names are. It doesn't mean that there's mistakes there, errors. It just means that. You know, some of the gospel, like Luke is written by a Gentile, and so he may use a primarily a Greek name for someone, mm-hmm. and Matthew might ne- use the, the, the Jewish name and that kind of thing, or, or some of the names right. might be actually a family name and not their first name and so on. But, but anyway, uh, that aside, there's uh, three sets of four names. And so let me just kind of just walk us through a couple of those for a moment just to kind of get a, a sense of that. Of course, the first one, and by the way, there's also four different places in uh, the Gospels and in the book of Acts where all 12 disciples are named. There's four lists. Um, and uh, Acts, I forget which Gospel doesn't have it. It might be John. But the other the other three gospels and acts have um, a list and they're, they're not, they're not the same. Some of the, like I said, some of the names are a little bit different, but, but they still kind of follow the same order. And so of course the, the, the big, the big four are always Peter, James, John, and uh, Andrew. Those four always in all four lists, they're all, those four always are the top of the list, and Peter's always the top of that list. Uh, yeah. And of course, Peter's the most outspoken uh, person. He sees himself as a leader. He wants to, to lead. 
next to Jesus, uh, no one in the Gospels is mentioned as often as Peter. Uh, next to Jesus, no one's talking as much as Peter. Uh, no one gets rebuked by Jesus as much as Peter. <laughs> Peter's the only one that has the gall to try to rebuke Jesus of the 12 disciples. Um, and uh, and there's, just a, there's a lot uh, to be said about uh, Peter uh, that, you know, can frustrate you. And, and as a leader, if you've ever had a group of people you were leading and you had one person that was always answering the questions, always speaking up right away, uh, you can sort of think, okay, do I need someone like that? Uh, and especially if they're challenging your decisions and telling you things that they don't think you should do. Um, and he, and he, of course, Peter tended to uh, exaggerate stuff. I mean, to say, I will never do this. Everyone else may fail you, but I never will. Um, and so, but one thing I would just say about that, and of course, we could spend a whole podcast just on Peter, but um, but one thing about him is he had passion. Yeah. And what I've found is it is far easier to curb passion than to try to res, you know, to to instill passion. Yeah. Better to have zeal and enthusiasm, and then try to help you know give some sense of of self-control over that than have someone with no passion and you're trying to light a fire. So Jesus, I think, saw the passion in Peter and realized and, and he had the patience to say, okay, he, he, mean, he does mean well and he does want to do well. He's got some stuff that needs uh, some curbing, but, um, but he's worth having on the team. Uh, and then, of course, there's James. And some people feel like James might have been the oldest or one of the older disciples. And, of course, James and John appear to come from a fairly successful family. Uh, they have a successful fishing business. They have servants, and so they must have some success. And James, it appears, is the older brother of John. Uh, it, it, there's some thought that uh, they might be cousins with Jesus, and so they would have a lot of inroads. And so if you're James, and you may be the oldest of the disciples, uh, you're the older, the, the oldest sibling, kind of uh, psyche, uh, you, you come from a fairly successful family, um, then you would, you would sort of assume that you would um, be the leader, one of the leaders in the group. And maybe not, you're not as outspoken as Peter, but uh, it is interesting that when King Herod decides to martyr the first disciple, he actually martyrs John or James. James is the first one to get killed. They don't arrest Peter first or John. They, they arrest and kill hmm. James. So that, that tells me that he may have been perceived as an early leader among the, the 12. Of course, he tried to negotiate to sit at the right hand and the left hand with John uh, around Jesus. So ambitious as well. Uh, he's the only one of those inner circle folks um, and in some sense, you know, you've got, uh, uh, you, you know, s several of those, like uh, you, you've got Matt, well, some of the disciples like Matthew writes his own gospel and, uh, and John writes his own gospel. But uh, you, you know, James, we never really hear much from because of course he, he, dies early, so he doesn't ever write his gospel. Uh, and then you've got uh, Andrew, and his name actually means manly. 
So, I mean, you could have been called Andrew. Is that your yeah. middle name? I forget. No, yeah. no David, no. I think. Yeah. So, um, but it means could uh, be though. It means manly, and but you know, I've I've thought lots about Andrew because he's the out of those four, he's the one that doesn't get included in the inner circle, and hmm. uh, but he never complains about it. the other. Th- I mean, his brothers in the inner circle, his cousins, his you know, good friends, business partners, uh, James and John are in the inner circle. But he accepts his role, uh, and he is Andrew's the guy who's always bringing people to Jesus. Right, um, and he, in fact, he brings Peter to Jesus. He was following Jesus before Peter was, and he must have known if I bring my domineering, outspoken older brother into this group, he's going to take over. Uh, yeah. I found this group first. But if I bring my brother, he'll take over and be in charge like he always does. But he did anyway. Uh, He loved his brother. And he just kept his ego out of the way. And so, you know, I found that that with good teams, you need need some people that will speak up. And you need people that will step up to be the... uh, To take a lead if you need. But you also just need those folks that are the team players. That Mm -hmm. just care about the team and not about their accolades and so on. And then there's John. He's probably the youngest of the disciples uh, in his writings. Of course, he talks a lot about love. He uh, seems to be quite affectionate. He, he's laying his head against Jesus' breast in the, uh, the, the, the Last Supper. He seems to be a person that really loved Jesus. He's also pretty courageous. He's uh, All the rest of the disciples run into the night when Jesus is arrested and John is there standing before the cross. I mean, he's maybe he's young enough that he doesn't fear as much that he'll be arrested or, or mistreated. But, um, but so those are the four and you've got a, a kind of a, a caring, loving person. You've got outspoken person. You've got a team guy. You might have an older kind of wise guy that, um, kind of has a lot of influence, uh, even if you don't always see it. Uh, and then you got the, the next tier, the next group, and that typically involves uh, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew. And those four, sometimes it's not always in the same order, but those four are always going to be in the second tier. And Philip, I think, is always at the top of that list. Uh, and Philip is kind of a, uh, his, his name actually means lover of horses. And apparently he came from Bethsaida, which is where... Peter and Andrew came from, and in fact, a lot of people speculate that uh, Thomas and uh, Nathaniel, Philip, uh, were all fishermen, as well as Peter, James, John, Andrew. So maybe seven of the disciples were fishermen from the Sea of Galilee, and they all would have known each other. So, like, they're in, in fact, you know, James. The, the first four are partners, and so it's not like Jesus necessarily just intentionally. Uh, made sure everybody was completely different. He hires two sets of brothers. And it and it may and it appears that there may several, maybe even three of these disciples may have been cousins to, to Jesus. And so um so the you know that, that also says something. He he has a yeah. variety. Um all eleven of the disciples are from Galilee. Uh, the only one who's not from the northern part is Judas. Judas is the only one that comes from farther south in Judea. Um, and, you know, I could say a lot about several of the others. Philip, Philip tends to say the wrong things, um, and he seems to be the one that is uh, counting, doing the numbers and the math, and, uh, you know, when when Jesus is going to try to 
feed the 5,000, it's Philip, he says, asks, uh, you know, how much money do you think this would take, Philip? To, like, what would it take to feed all these people? And he, he has an answer. It's going to take, you know, over 200 denarii would not be enough. And, uh, and so he, uh, he's one of these guys that has to grow, that he's not a big thinker early on. And, yeah. and maybe that's not bad to have one or two in the group that's got their calculator out saying, Maybe okay, call themselves a realist or Yeah, and here's, here's the numbers. And of course, there's uh, Thomas as well. And, and uh, Thomas is, uh, it seems like he's kind of a, do- he's like an Eeyore kind of character in some ways. Uh, most of the time when he says something is kind of negative as well. Uh, he's, you know, when, uh, I, he's at one point when Jesus is going to go back down to, to Jerusalem, he says, uh uh, well, let's let's go with him and die with him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like okay, let's thanks, Thomas. That was yeah. really an inspiring word. Um, and uh, and and then at one point, Jesus is talking about uh, you know the way. Uh, he says, "Well, we don't. How do we know the way?" Uh, and of course, that prompts Jesus to say, "Well, he is the way, the truth, and the life, and so on." And then Nathaniel is, uh, he's the one that's known as the, he's the one without any guile. He's got basically a lot of integrity. Uh, and, uh, uh, and you know, some of these guys, they, you, like in the Gospel of John tells us about uh, Philip and Nathaniel following Jesus. But, uh, but then you don't, um, you, we don't hear a lot from some of these, like Nathaniel afterward. You, he's kind of quiet. And, and you know, I, I, I really kind of take some comfort in that, that out of 12 people, they're not all superstars. They're not all Peters. Yeah. Uh, they, there's some that just quietly are part of the team. And apparently they, they I mean, they must've done the job. There's, there are traditions that say that all, that 11 of these guys, everybody except John was martyred, that they, they scattered all over the world. Uh, Tradition says that Thomas went as far as India was was uh, martyred there. Like they they went quite a ways. Uh, they all got scattered into different parts of the world, and they all served the Lord faithfully their whole life. But um, but some like Nathaniel, we don't know very much about him. Just that uh, he apparently uh, got Jesus said we need we need folks like that. And I mean, some of our listeners, you may not be the guy that's always behind the microphone or the, you know, gives the really fiery speeches at the year end, uh, report, uh, town hall. But, uh, but you may just be doing your job well, where you are and faithfully and getting stuff done. And you may never have a bio written up by on you, but your organization is better because you're there and Mm -hmm. because you do what you're called to do. And then the last, uh, the last four, um, and some of these, th- their names may differ, but um, one is just James, uh, the son of Alphaeus. He's a different than the James, son of a uh, brother of John. And some actually have uh, speculated that his mother may have been sisters with with Jesus' mother Mary. There's you, you can't know that for sure, but some of the names kind of mm-hmm. line up, uh, uh, and so that that might be the case. He's known as James the Lesser. How would you like to have that kind of name, like? Yeah, Sam really the is. Lesser. Yeah, um, I mean, the when I tried to lose weight, I, I like that. Richard says, "Richard the Lesser, you've dropped yeah. a few pounds." Uh, it it could just mean that he's younger. It could also mean he's smaller of stature. Uh, and I don't know what all they intended by that, but to say James the Lesser, um, you know, that might have been a derogatory term uh, for a man in that day. Like 
you, lessers probably it's hard to think of a way in which that's like a compliment uh the, and if you've got a kind of a domineering james in the group uh that's in the inner circle and you so you're james the lesser um and yet again jesus knew that you, you didn't need 12 james like james the more <laughs> you, you need some of the lesser uh and then of course interestingly you've got well we meant we did mention matthew but He's in the, 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 the second group, and of course he's a tax collector. He's like the lowest of the scum in that generation, that age. And uh, yeah, yeah, would he, not necessarily have been a, a friend of he would have been the I fisherman. Mean, yeah, like that's one that would have just raised a lot of eyebrows. So when they, I mean, they would have looked and said, "What well, you got all these fishermen? Like those uncouth, untrained fishermen? Like what kind of team do you have there?" But then when they saw Matthew, they would say, "Well." You've got a guy like a the, a notorious sinner, a guy that's like, how a can traitor. we take your team seriously? But you know, I have a feeling that I, I just I can only speculate because the Bible doesn't say. But he obviously had a lot of friends because he throws a party after he starts following Jesus, and it's full of of tax collectors and sinners. Uh, so he must have been popular and had a lot of contacts. And I, yeah. I just wonder if wherever they traveled, if Matthew didn't know some of the kind of sleazier yeah. people, you know, like, I think I can get you what you need, Jesus. So I've got a friend, you know, I, I can oh, imagine yeah, I know, Matthew I know a guy saying, on that yeah, I know there. a guy, probably yeah. he said that in about every town they went to, but, um, and yet Jesus used that. And yeah. I, I, I would not be surprised if I learned that, uh, he, his contacts often perhaps helped out with the cause, you know, in the days to come. But, but, uh, then you've got uh, Simon the Zealot, and he's always in the third category, third group, along with James the Lesser. And, of course, the Zealot was a radical. He was a, like, there's no hope for this society. Let's burn it down. And yeah. these Zealots eventually became known as people that, well, eventually they're the ones who are going to lead the revolt against Rome, and that's going to cause Rome yeah. to come in and burn the, whole city, burn the city down, destroy the temple, tear down the walls scattered the Jews for almost 2,000 years. It's going to be zealots just like Simon. He gets out of that movement a couple of decades before it gets really red hot, but but he's he's in that group. He's in that mindset. And the, some of the first people that zealots would have wanted to kill would be tax collectors. And so I, yeah. I just, I've always wondered how Matthew and Simon got along there. Yeah, what because, was that introduction like? Because they would have hated each other. They would have just hated each other at the outset. And uh, it, later, zealots, what they would do is they had these kind of curved knives that they would they would carry concealed, and then they would kind of walk up next to a target and stab them to death, and, and then just disappear into the crowd. And that's what zealots would do. They were hitmen, and they would just, they would murder, assassinate people that they thought were sellouts. And so the task collectors would have been the first people to go. Yeah, and so you've got them right on Jesus' team, and for him, like I just would have thought, okay, Jesus, either like call a task collector or call a zealot, but don't you don't want one of me? You're, every meeting, they're, it's going to break down, or they're going to look at each other funny, or uh, and so and then there's um, there's a, 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 another Judas, Judas the son of James. He has other names he goes by as well. Again, just. We don't really know anything more hardly about him that he, there's his name. And uh, it, it, Judas means Jehovah or God leads, which is ironic because that's also Judas Iscariot's name. And like I said, uh, Judas, Judas Iscariot is um, 
the only one from the southern part of Judah. All the rest are from Galilee. And so he would have, all the other disciples may well have known each other. They might have gone to the same synagogue on, on Sabbath and they, uh, they would have seen each other. The, the, that place wasn't that big. The population wasn't that big. They would have probably all known each other to some level. But Judas would have been the outsider and the one that nobody really knew. And nobody, you know, they, they might have their suspicions, although it doesn't appear that they did. Yeah. They would have just kind of written it off and said, oh, he's different. He's from the South. You know, he, they do things differently down there. And he apparently never kind of fit in uh, because uh, he was there, but he never, he never bought in. And I don't, I, apparently, of course, Jesus, his primary calling was to die. And Judas was going to be the instrument that brought that about. But uh, so Judas had his purpose. Um, I don't know that I would say everybody needs to have a traitor on their leadership team to be like <laughs> Jesus. But yeah. um, but I would say sometimes some very unusual people may have a role, at least uh, in your life. Uh, and so I see Sam, we're already out of time, but... Um, We'll have to make this, I guess, a two-part uh, yeah. discussion. But I, I do, I am fascinated by the kind of team Jesus intentionally put together, and and so that makes me look at our team. And uh, I, you know, I, I don't think you need to try to be politically correct and have, you know, every major ethnic group represented on your direct reports team, and say, well, this guy's perfectly qualified, but we need someone of a different color or whatever, uh, what ethnicity, whatever. I think you should try to have a variety of, of perspectives and backgrounds for sure. Uh, and I, I think you might just want to look at just, just besides who you work with, just who you associate with, who you socialize yeah. with. Do you ever just intentionally spend time with um, folks who are different than you and say, help me understand this, help me understand your culture. And I'm seeing a lot of this in the news right now. Just, would you explain this to me? Just help me understand why, you see things this way. Why people of your political party persuasion or or worldview or whatever else uh, see things this way? Because I would I'd love to learn, and yeah. I may not agree, but but you know I but I may learn, and it may actually help inform what I believe. Uh, because I now I understand why some people don't hold those views. So. Lots to say about that, but I uh, want to encourage our listeners, uh, take an audit of, think of in your life and in your relationships, who are the people on the fringe who are the most not like you? And yeah. are they that different? And I'm not talking about just people you might know, but I mean, people that you choose to relate to and interact with. Um, and if they're not all that different than you, maybe that would be a good challenge to go a little farther afield and uh, intentionally maybe cultivate a relationship with someone. So not that you can necessarily change them, but so you can learn from them. Yeah. Well, we're certainly living in an age of echo chambers. And, and I think one of the most beneficial things anyone can do is try and break out and first of all, recognize that if you are in one and, and set yourself free from that by, by reaching out to people who aren't like you. So with that, uh, we will, uh, Leave it there, and we'll probably come back with a part two of, uh, of this discussion. Sounds good. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners, so email us at podcast at blackv.org.